truth of the gospel. That we understand what your Son has done for us on the cross. Help us, Lord, to comprehend now the message. Lord, it is my prayer that you'll use the Word of God in a powerful way, as Hebrews 4.12 says. For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing, dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. And as a discerner of our thoughts and intents of our hearts. Lord, help it to be that uh, microscope upon our own lives. That we can see where we are in our journey. Number one, to make sure that we're on a journey that is heading to Jesus Christ, to heaven, through the shed blood that has purchased that journey. and Given to us a gift of eternal life. And then, Lord, if there is anything in our lives that's hindering us and making good progress on that journey, help us to identify those weights and sins which does so easily beset us. And so, Lord, I pray that as your messenger this morning that you'll anoint the Scriptures, anoint this preacher to bring and break forth the words of life. And that, Lord, that you'll just massage our hearts in the ways that you'd want them to be today, that we might understand what you have for us. And we'll praise you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. If you'll take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 7. And as we continue on in this uh, third chapter of the Sermon on the Mount, preached in the Lord's second year of His ministry, we read last time, and let me continue to read again, Chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother eye? That's a good question. Would you not agree? I mean, he's asking a question. When God asks us a question, wouldn't it be good for us to come up with an answer? But you don't consider the beam that is in your own eye. For how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. How are you going to do it? It's an impossibility. Now, hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt be able to clearly see to cast out the mote that is in thy brother's eye. Those are interesting scriptures. We started talking about it last week about judging. And as I said last week, that this is not about the importance of being able to discern right and wrong. What he is talking about here, and he brings it on, I think, very clearly, with he says, with what judgment that you judge, it'll be judged back to you again. And he is talking about a critical spirit or a judgmental spirit. And some people... Uh, live in a critical spirit in their lives. And just what we've talked about even this morning, we, we really want to praise uh, the Lord. We really want to come alongside and encourage other folks. And it's easy to see th- some things that maybe we would say, I, I don't like the way that was done, or I wouldn't do it that way, or uh, in my opinion. And those can be... The very thing that God is talking about here not to do. Where you set yourself or I set myself up as that final authority. God's word is the final authority. Amen and amen. 
There are things that happen in our lives, and I can say, I wouldn't do that. Sometimes, in my responses to the things that happen to me, it's almost like saying to God, you know, if I were God, I wouldn't have done it that way. By the way, that's the way complaining is. Is that not correct? We're not happy with the way things are happening in our lives. And so as we look at this, this morning we're going to look at this moat and this beam. Uh, removing the beam in our own eyes to help us with the moat, or some of you have heard it, a sliver. Well, if you've ever had a sliver in your eye, maybe you've worked with steel or glass or even fiberglass or things like that, those are small items. But can you imagine a sliver in your eye? I get a little sliver in my finger and all the pain of it. When I was a little kid growing up on the farm, we had rose bushes along the side of our road. And I remember one time running, and I, I don't know why I was running and, and everything. My brother might have been chasing me. He was usually bigger than I was, and he was probably going to beat me. <laughs> I had to watch my language there in just a moment. Uh, and maybe I was running and everything, and I ran. Now, you think about this, a little kid thinking... The safest place to run into would be a rose bush because he wouldn't follow me in there. Little did I realize that I shouldn't have run in there in the first place. Would you not agree? Well, when I ran into that rose bush, somehow, some way, a thorn from the rose got right there in the white of my eye. And it wasn't just a sliver. It was a thorn from the rose. And I remember it to this day. I mean, it was, it was excruciating. I mean, how do you close your eyes? And I ran to my dad. And my dad took his big hunking fingers and he lifted up my eyelid. He reached in there with his fingers and he pulled that thorn out. I am so thankful he was able to see that thorn and to help that thorn come out of my eyes. And I say that in here in the beginning is because I don't want us to miss what's going to be at the end of this message if I get there this morning. That this passage of Scripture is all about us being able to help other people on their journey. And if we can't see how to properly help others on their journey, we won't do it. And in fact, we can create more hurt than help. Would you not agree with me? Now, sometimes people hurt inside and they want to hurt other people. Sometimes there's a lack of, of things that are going on in their lives and maybe they feel bad about certain things and so they want to go after other people. Uh, we're going to look at these things this morning. So as we're in this passage, we're going to look at a lot of scriptures, but I want to quickly, maybe if I could say that, that we be not judged. That's the sentence of judgment. We're going to look at that in its capacity. And then we're going to look at uh, with what measure you meet. That's the standard of judgment. And then why beholdest thou the mold? That's the strain of judgment. So we're going to look at these things this morning. And this first one, that ye be not judged, the sentence of judgment. And, and I want to, if I could, very uh, quickly deal with the past judgment, the present judgment, and the future judgment. You know, when we talk about our sins being forgiven, God has forgiven us our sins in the past. He's forgiven us our sins now. And He's forgiven us of our sins in the future. 
And I go to the book of Revelation and I bring this passage out. And this is right there after the millennial. And some of you are very familiar with the end times. And I believe we're coming close to the end times. In fact, we are in the end times of whatever degree it is. These are the last days. I mean, literally, I believe we are in the last days. And, of course, a day to me is 24 hours. A day to the Lord is a thousand years. Okay, it can be. But I believe that what we're seeing in our society is coming to the end of civilization as we know it. And you read the book of Revelation, and you're familiar with the rapture of the church, and then the tribulation period, and then the, uh, the battle of Armageddon, and then the millennial period, and then the battle of Gog and Magog. And what takes place just before this passage is the God battle of Gog and Magog. And here, after a thousand-year period of time on this world, the Lord's ruling on this world. We're ruling with Him during this time. That Satan is loosed out of the bottomless pit and he comes and as he is so capable of doing, he deceives the multitudes of this world and they come together for a final battle. Can you imagine after a thousand year period with the Lord Jesus Christ and the peace and all this and there Satan is able to deceive this world so quickly such that the throngs that are out there. And God comes, and it's interesting, I was reading in verse 9, and I alluded to this on Wednesday night. God comes and He protects the saints, it sounds like there, in verse 9. And He sends fire upon this world, and all those who are lost die. And the Bible says, in here verse 11 now, He says, I saw a great white throne. And him that sat upon it, whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. I don't know about you, but this is not a place that I would want to be. And I want you, my friend, this morning to consider would you be standing there at this great white throne judgment? The Bible says the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were opened. Now, we're not sure of what all the books are. We're told about the book of life. Malachi talks about a book of remembrance. Uh, there's a book of conscience that the Bible talks about. There's other books. There's the books of works. Uh, the Bible talks about the, that every word that we speak is recorded. And God knows and says we're going to be held accountable for the words. But he says another book was opened and that was the book of light. And the dead were judged out of those things that were written in the books. So can you imagine... If you or I were standing there before the creator of the universe. The Bible says that every mouth is going to, every tongue is going to be stopped. The Bible says that every knee is going to bow, bow down. Everything about the life has been recorded. And the deeds were judged out of those things that were written in that book according to their works. In verse 13 it says, and the sea gave up the dead. That were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast 
in to the lake of fire. Do you see why you would not want to be there? And my question this morning, has your name been written in the book of life? It's interesting when it says that word was not found written. That word written there is in the perfect tense. We've been talking about the different tenses on Wednesday night. The perfect tense is a place, a time in history where something happens with eternal results. It's the tense of salvation. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you were born again. Something happened in your life. You were changed. God took all of your sins upon the cross of Calvary and gave you a new life. And He's given to you eternal life. And your name is recorded in the book of life. Amen to that? But how many people's names were not found written? You know, we believe... And we study sometimes, uh, what's it called when you study people's genealogies and stuff like that? People are interested in their ancestry and where their lineage is. I want to ask you a question. Do you have your ancestry or do you have your lineage in Jesus Christ? Have you been born again? If you have not been born again, can you imagine what a horrible time this will be as you stand there without excuse? And there is no turning back. At this time. Is this a reality? It is a reality. And can I say this? Two things that come to my mind here. Number one. You want to make sure your name is written in the book of life. And right now. What is going to happen to you after you die? Do you know without a shadow of a doubt. That you're going to go to heaven. Because you have a pedigree. If you want to say it. Or a birth certificate. That has been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. Do you have that? If you haven't. And you don't have it. Come and get it by opening your heart and say, God, forgive me and come into my heart and save me. Praise God for that. It's so simple. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Aren't you glad that God made His way simple? One way. So if you don't have it, why don't you invite the Lord into your heart? We'll give you that opportunity. You can invite Him in right now. You say, man, I need Christ. Don't delay it another day. Today's the day of salvation. The other thing I think about this is that while I have breath on this world, what am I using that breath for? Am I sharing my faith with other people? I watched last night, Janie and I watched God is Not Dead 2. How many have ever seen that one movie? Oh, many of you have. Isn't that amazing? It's a wonderful uh, presentation and there about the gospel where this teacher was willing to stand up in the classroom and share her faith and she wasn't going to back down. And I thought to myself, you know, we're seeing greater persecution today taking place in the realm of Christendom in America. Are we willing to stand up and proclaim our faith? Do we really believe that this is a reality, that someday people are going to be cast into the lake of fire? That's what God's Word says. You don't know about you, but it ought to motivate me more to go out there and share my faith. Amen to that? People need to see Jesus Christ in our lives. But what happens is we get caught up with all kinds of other things and pretty soon we don't even act like Christians. One of the things that the verses that says uh, in the Bible says, make sure you're ready to give an account of those who ask what's the hope in you. And I've shared that before. Is Are people asking us, what's different about you? That's what started that uh, God is not dead too. 
the student there uh, came and talked to the teacher at a restaurant. And, uh, she's, and, and, and the student says, how can you handle the struggles in your life like you do? Is that a testimony? And she asked that question and the teacher says it's because of Jesus Christ. Do people see that in our lives or do they see a critical spirit? Do they see us being engaging just like the world is doing? We, we talked about there in this previous chapter, in chapter 6 of Matthew, how that uh, people were worried, anxious about what they're going to eat, what they're going to drink, what they're going to put on. And he says, this is the way the Gentiles or lost people act. Is that the way we're acting? Are we thankful for a God who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we ask or think, even to give a grand piano? Would you not agree? Not in my wildest imagination could I have ever thought that that would have taken place. Beautiful piano. I can't wait to hear somebody else play it besides me. So this is the judgment. This is the past. This is, this is, yes, this is the judgment that you and I have been delivered from. But there might be folks here that have not had the past judgment. As we go on, Romans 8, 1. There is now no condemnation to those which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. In other words, after I've gotten saved, now I have the Holy Spirit inside of me, and He's helping me to walk my new life in Christ. John 5, 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Does that sound like a good statement? Amen. And Jesus has given that statement, and he says, verily, verily. You know, when God says something twice, we need to be paying attention. Amen to that? Do you know what the word verily uh, comes from in the Greek? It's a transliterated word. Uh, It is the word in the Greek, amen. Amen. Truth. Or it is a trust. You can trust this with confidence. It's an absolute. Absolutely. And he says it twice. By the way, the word amen is a transliteration of Hebrew as well. Did you know that, Pastor Nathan? It's a word that we use in English, Russian, in almost every language. Amen. Is amen. Isn't that something you can speak Spanish? Say, I can speak Spanish, just say amen. <laughs> absolutely. What he's saying here is yes, absolute praise God. He that heareth my word, believeth on him, sent me, hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation. But his past, what happened? Did I do something? I got too excited. There it is. But his past from death. Unto life. Remember what I read there in Revelation? The second death? You and I will not stand there because we have Jesus Christ as our Savior. May God help us to gain ownership of this. And then in uh, this uh, present judgment, as we talked about it here, and I had the points up here, and they're not coming up on the screen this morning, and so be it as it is. 
All right. Our past judgment has been taken care of because of our faith in Christ. And that judgment is past. But is there a judgment of which can come upon us today? Yes. And here in this word, verse is a interesting. We're going to have communion tonight. And this is the passage that we read often times in communion. And I want you to notice this. Past judgment is on the penalty of sin. Our present judgment that we as a born again believers is under is a paternal judgment. Did you hear what I just said? A paternal judgment. In other words, he is going to deal with us as his children. All right. So if you've been born again, God's your father. He's going to judge you as a father would his son. By the way, this is a good passage and even to understand how we should be dealing with those things in a family relationship. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Is it important for us to examine our lives, to discover what's going on in our lives, whether we're in the right relationship with the Lord? So as we take communion tonight, we want to make sure we've examined ourselves. Number one, what makes us worthy of taking that communion is because you have Jesus Christ as your Savior. Do you all understand that? That's the only thing that makes you worthy. Communion doesn't save you, doesn't give you grace. It is a memorial. And we're going to be having that tonight, a wonderful service. He tells us to do it as often as we do it in remembrance of him. But he says, as we come together and they had some problems in the Corinthian church, would you not agree that Mike, there was a few problems that they had. They were divisive. They were trying to uh, make themselves spiritual by the different spiritual gifts that they had. Rather than understanding the diversity of the body of Christ. They were taking their brothers to court. There were just a whole bunch of things that they, they were involved in. And here at communion time, it seemed like instead of it becoming a remembrance of the Lord, they decided to make it more of a party. They decided to eat and, and have all these Good things taking place rather than remembering the amazing sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He says, now you need to examine yourself. This is a good time to see what's going on in our lives. I personally believe that we ought to be examining our lives all through the day. Amen to that. Don't wait just for communion. Search me, O God, and know my heart and see if there be anything that's in my heart. So in verse 29, and I wish... My new uh, presentation would have come up, but it did not. In here, there are three words for judgment. Okay? Now, in our English, you don't see it. But in the Greek, and had my new presentation come up, you would have seen it because I had it color-coded. So I will try to explain to you which these words are. It says... For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh, what? Damnation. All right? If you were, and what I did on mine is, is I almost did what I did on Wednesday night. Uh, if you underline that word, that underword, that word damnation there, that sounds pretty serious, doesn't it? It is actually the Greek word 
for punishment. Okay? Punishment. Now, you understand this passage here. Uh, for he that eateth and drinketh unworthy, eateth and drinketh punishment to himself. Does that make sense? Everybody catch that? Okay. Because I want you to see these words. Uh, not discerning. All right. Whoops. Got to face this way. Not discerning. That is another word for judgment. It's translated judgment in other places. That is this idea of uh, like First uh, Corinthians two fifteen that says he that spiritual judgeth all things. It's the idea that you are able to discern. Well, here in this passage, he says, listen, if you've not examined yourself and you're you're not uh, in the right frame of mind when you're taking communion, you're eating this punishment to yourself and you're not able to discern the Lord's body. You're not able to see how important this all is in the relationship of this remembrance. Then he says, for this cause, many are what? Weak. Now, who's he talking to there? Is he talking to the church? He's talking about the church. He's talking to the church. He's writing to these Corinthians. These are the church members. He says in the church, there are people who are not willing to look at themselves and examine what's going on in their lives. And they're, they're, they're having strife or they're having difficulties or they're carnal. And they're not taking seriously the sacred time of the Lord's Supper. And they're weak. Oops. That way, weak and sickly among you and many what? Sleep. What does that sound like? A good night's sleep? How many think it means something else? It means you die. All right. So what he's saying here that you are when we are engaging frivolously. In this wonderful ordinance of the church. He says we are we are drinking and we're eating this punishment to ourselves. And he goes on and he lists this punishment, which is a weakness, which is sickly and many sleep. You know, we need to take seriously what is going on in our lives. Yes or no. Now, he goes on in verse 31. For if you would judge. That is the word discern. All right. That's that word discern. If we would discern ourselves, we should not be punished. You see it? He's saying that if you would look into your heart, if you would look into your life and you get real serious about this, he says, then you're not going to be punished like others who just flippantly go through and they don't handle the sacred things as sacred. I could even say about our salvation, about our attendance in church, about whatever's going on in our life. Do you know there is such a casualness today about Christianity? But when you are, what do you think that word is? So it says here, for if we would discern ourselves, we should not be punished. But when we are, what do you think that word is? I mean, yeah, but which one, discern or punished? That's exactly right. But when we're punished, now you catch this. And it's interesting here. He says, when you are punished, this word, what we're talking about, this paternal judgment. In other words, you are punished. Ye are 
what? Chastened of the Lord. The word chastened means that God is going to use this punishment to chastise you. Is there a difference between punishment and chastisement? There is. Punishment is just punishment. But chastisement is the word, and it actually uh, has its idea of a parent training a child. It is the word that is used in 2 Timothy 3.16. The word of God is... Uh, 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 all scripture is given by inspiration and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction. The word instruction there is the same word as in ch- chastisement. God wants to instruct us. And so here in this punishment, God wants us to learn that we should not be, what's that last word? Condemned. That's the third Greek word that's used here. So do you see what's going on? He's saying, listen, if we would discern, if we would take care of the things that we need to in our lives, and oftentimes this is is having a, a conviction in our soul that what I have done is not pleasing before God. And I come before Him in 1 John 1, 9, which says, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just. To forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if we would discern what's going on in my life. And say, oh God, forgive me. Humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. And he says he'll lift you back up. But too often people want to cover their sins. What does the Bible say if a man covers his sin? He'll not prosper. And boy, what we've read up here on this punishment, that doesn't, I I mean, I don't want to be punished. And so I want to be real before my Lord. And he says that that when you are punished, because God punishes you because you're his child, and he's chastened, he's instructing you, and catch this last part, because he changes this word, which most of us would have thought this word judgment or condemnation or damnation would mean. This is the word, in reality, condemned. In other words, God loves you. He's rescued you. You're on your way to heaven. You're always going to be His child. God says He'll never leave you nor forsake you. But understand, my brothers and sisters, He can take us to the woodshed. And the reason why He does that is because He loves us. Yes or no? And He does it Because you are not going to have your part with those who are condemned. You're never going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I mean, excuse me, the great white throne judgment. Here in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6, it's the same idea. For whom the Lord loveth, what does he do? He chasteneth. And what? Scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. You know, I shared at camp about Proverbs that talks about three kinds of people. There are wise people, there are simple people, and there's foolish people. A wise person will hear and will take to heart. He'll not just be a hearer of the word, but he'll be a doer of the word. Does that make sense? 
A wise person catches it by listening and, 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 and seeing the things that are going on. And he makes the correction in his life. I'm thankful there are times where we can be wise, don't you? Man, I, I see this, I hear this, and I can exercise wisdom. A simple person, as you go through the book of Proverbs, you'll discover that the simple person has to go to the woodshed. You can ask yourself. I can ask myself. Are there times when I have been simple? And I've gone to the woodshed. Sometimes that woodshed is right here in my mind. But a simpleton will go to that woodshed maybe once or twice, but the Bible says a simpleton, after these things come, he will make some corrections in his life. But the third person is a fool. No matter how many times he gets beat on his back, he doesn't change. And I just want us this morning to understand that there is a present Judgment that comes upon us as God's children that he deals with us. Our society has it all mixed up. They think if you punish your child, you don't love your child. Do you know that is contrary to scriptures? The Bible says that if you don't punish your child, you don't love your child. And we're all mixed up in our country. And how well is it working out for us? It breaks my heart how many children are going forward in life not understanding this important principle. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. <sighs> so this morning, I don't know why God took such a direction in this. I haven't even gotten to my first point finished yet. And time's up. But maybe it's for all of us to say, you know what, God? I need to wake up. It's not worth fighting against God. It's not worth making my own decisions. It's not me going out and living my own life. God, whatever you want me to do, I'm willing to do it. Let him be the master of your life. Because someday there is, and let me just finish with this, if I can give it. There is a future judgment coming. Would you not agree? Why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set at naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. There's a judgment seat of Christ. That's called the Bema seat. It's also referred to in uh, uh, this idea here in 1 Corinthians 3.15. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, uh, yet so as by fire. You know, when I look at that verse, you know what I consider? I think here you are. You're not at the great white throne judgment. All those people are going to be cast in the lake of fire. You're at this beam of seat because you have Jesus Christ as your Savior. And as you're standing there, the Bible says we're all going to be judged by the works that we've done. And all of a sudden, it's almost like this inferno. Kind of like you're in the middle of the uh, California fires. Can you imagine? And the fire's all around. And everything's being burned up. All of your life's work. And God comes and He says He pulls you out of that fire. He says because you're not saved by your works. You're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. But what a waste of a life that's been saved. And then lastly, let me just give you this verse. 
For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, and every one may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Again, understand, this is the judgment of those who are saved. They're going to stand before that judgment seat of Christ. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord. That sounds different than what we hear today, isn't it? The reverence for the Lord. We persuade men. What does that sound like? Listen, I get it. I understand this. I need to be living my life in such a way that I have a healthy and holy respect for my God. Yes, He loves me. But He will deal with me in a paternal way. And someday I'm going to stand before Him and give an account of my life. And it says, we need to be persuading men. I hope I've persuaded you this morning that we need to look at our lives and examine our lives and see what's going on. But we are made manifest unto God. And I trust also are made manifest in your conscience. May God help us to get it. Father, as we understand a past judgment for sin upon Calvary, it's all been paid in full. But understand that as born-again believers, we now stand under the scrutiny of your loving, careful eyes. That you examine our lives. You see what's going on. And oftentimes you allow the temptations or the testings to come our way to help us to grow and develop. Sometimes, Lord, there's punishment that we bring upon ourselves because we do not discern what's going on in our lives. God, it is my prayer that you'll give this preacher and this congregation discerning eyes, discerning hearts. It's not about pride, who's right and wrong. It's not about uh, my way. or It's not about those things. Lord, help us to, to get real with this idea that we are going to stand before God and give an account of our lives. May the Holy Spirit do His work in my life this morning. May the Holy Spirit do His work in the lives of those that are here for Your glory. We'll praise You for what You do. And Lord, it is my prayer that we will finish well. That we won't have our works burned up because we did things in the flesh. We did things because of pride. Or we did things to be seen of men. But we did things because we love you. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. I pray that this morning that we'll get it. Help us to remember this in our conscience. To look at our lives each and every day. And tonight as we have communion. That we'll just have a good soul-searching time even there. That we'll just be very real before you. Thank you, Father, that you know the intricacies of our hearts. We praise you for that. You can help us on our journey. Help us to be wise. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. What is God doing this morning? Number one, which judgment will you stand before? Say, I hope I'll stand at that Bema seat. It's not a hope so. You ought to know what judgment you're going to stand before. If you have Jesus Christ as your Savior, He's saved you. He's rescued you. He's already delivered you from that past judgment. It's a past judgment. There's now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. But I ask this question to all of us. As a Heavenly Father, He knows what's the very best in our lives. What's going on? What's 
taking place. It's good for each of us to just examine our hearts, even in this invitation times. By the way, why have we given invitation? By the way, that's why we'll give an altar call. Some people are more concerned about what people think of their lives rather than getting right with the Lord. I would encourage you. I know our altar here is very small. But if you're not certain of your eternal destiny, why don't you come before you leave today? And this morning, my friend, if God spoke to your heart, then just settle it with Him. We confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us. Can you imagine a loving Father wants to hear us say, God, forgive me. And He will. And so in this invitation, have your perfect will and way in Jesus' name. Amen. How about if we sing, what song do you have there, hon? Just as I am. How about, what's that now? Have thine own way. That'll be all right to sing. Let's, uh, what's that number? 325. Let's stand together and we'll sing it this morning. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. In this invitation. take some time right now say Lord speak to my heart it's amazing when I've asked God Father is there something that I need to change it's amazing what he brings up when you ask God what I need to change he'll bring it up Oftentimes, though we can go through life and the devil likes to accuse us something that's already been covered by the blood there's a big difference my friend who we're listening to. One is a loving father who says, Oh, son, I love you. I want you to change this in your life. Thank you, Father, for speaking. Another is to walk through life and just feeling so defeated because all this stuff's going on and these voices of the accuser come ringing in your ear such that you feel impotent to go out and tell people about Jesus Christ. No, my friends, you've been saved and rescued. You go out and share your faith with others. And don't let the devil bring up accusations that are faulty. But listen to the Lord and what he has to say. Right now, ask yourself, if I were to die today, where would I spend eternity? Do you have an answer? What will happen to you after you die? Father, I pray for these decisions in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, you might say that was more of a hellfire and damnation message. I remember some people come to our church and I said, Preacher, I don't want to go to a church that's a hellfire and damnation preacher. Well, then you're going to have to take out an awful lot of the Scriptures because it's true. And what I preach to you today is true. And I would hope that we would go away pondering and thinking about what we've heard. Amen. And tonight we get to come back and we get to have a communion service. Maybe a precursor. It's amazing how God led in this message and maybe just for tonight that we can come back. Somebody said, I'm not going to come back tonight. I don't want to be sick or die or, or something like that. 
I would hope that would not be the case. I'd hope there's nothing that we're holding on to that we don't want to take care of. We saying close to thee, oh, I want to be close to the Lord. Don't you want to be close to the Lord? I want him to share with me what I need in my life. Then there's a baby shower tonight also. And then uh, <clears throat> the ladies delight in the men's conference or sign up sheets at the welcome center. And guess who's joining the church? Zach, Olivia, Ruth, Owen. Let's thank them for coming out here from Florida. And they're going to join our staff. And uh, we are grateful. That. Shake hands with them. Say, welcome aboard. And uh, pray for them as they acclimate here to the Northwest. You're dismissed.